Now, home is a lot of work. Just plain work. When work at home is planned and organized for cooperation, there can usually be more time for leisure. I'm certainly in favor of those things. Leisure, fun. Who is it? Wouldn't we all be happier if we worked out a little system for living together in harmony? But how can we manage them? We'll have to work out the full answer together. Say, Mom, it's well. Family problems can be solved through frank and friendly discussion, which points the way to a happy family life. You know, this is beginning to be quite a family project. It certainly is. We are starting a brand new series today about families. And before you sign off, because you live all by yourself, please listen up. Everyone has family relationships and... Those family relationships are often messy. These family outings are always so stressful. So unless you want to be a hermit, I invite you to stick around and let's do some learning together. And we know that relationships are so important to us. In the past few months, it has really taken its toll. Whether it's being locked into your house with your family for extended periods of time and you want to pull your hair out, or... You've just had the absence of contact with family and friends. Either way, we're hurting and we're struggling, and we could all use some help and encouragement. Now, while Jesus was never married, he was the oldest child to several brothers and sisters. He was also a son to a mother that he loved, and he spent extended periods of time with 12 guys over three years. And of course, when you add in the whole God thing, it makes him a pretty good go-to guy when it comes to relationships. So today, we're starting a series entitled, Our Imperfect Families. And we're going to take a portion of the teachings of Jesus, we're going to dig into them and learn from them, and then we're going to apply them to the relationships in your life and my life, most specifically apply them to the relationships of our family. Now, for some of you, this is gonna to apply to your relationship with your parents. So teenagers, turn to your parents right now, sitting on the couch and tell them, hey, listen up. For some, this will apply to your relationship with your grown children. For some, this will apply to your relationship with your husband or with your wife. For some, this will apply to your relationship with your brother or your sister or your stepbrother or your stepsister. For some, this will apply to your relationships with aging parents or with children or with grandchildren or even outside your family to your boss or to that annoying next door neighbor. Now, the title of this series is very intentional, Our Imperfect Family. While we might like at times to pretend that our families are perfect, like at a family reunion, and while we might wish that our families were the model of just what a family is supposed to look like, can we all just be honest with ourselves? Your family isn't perfect. And you know what? Neither is mine. And the sooner we get this into our minds and accept the reality, the sooner we can begin to learn some principles and habits to help us move from fantasy world to greater 
relational health. And we're going to do this by learning from Jesus and applying his teachings to our family. So the, the specific teaching of Jesus that we're going to be using in this entire series is found in the book of Matthew. And the teaching comes from the longest discourse or sermon of Jesus. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to zero in on what's called the Beatitudes. So I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and listen as one of our imperfect Wildwood families reads our passage to us. Ready? One, two, three. Are the poor in spirit. Prayers is the kingdom in heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. Blessed. Say blessed. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Declan. Everybody say it, blessed. So today we begin with the beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. As we learn what Jesus meant about meekness, we will also learn this crucial application to our imperfect families, that a humble heart is essential to overcoming the struggles of relationships. So let's begin with the question, what are the Beatitudes? See, the Beatitudes are a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount teaching, where he basically presents his upside-down principles of living in his kingdom that we now know as the church. In this Sermon on the Mount, it contains great teaching on a variety of topics like money and worry and marriage and being a witness and sexual purity but it ends with this amazing promise. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. So what does this promise mean to you and me? It means that when we choose to live by the principles and the values of Jesus, it, it will result in a foundation of life that's guaranteed to withstand any storm that life can throw our way. I mean, that's, that's an amazing promise. And so the Beatitudes are the introduction to this upside down way of living and they're very challenging. 
You need to know the Beatitudes are tough and they can be at times a little bit confusing. And you'll find that the teachings by Jesus are at times so opposed to the philosophies that much of our world lives by. But the word which begins each one of the Beatitudes is the word, and you gotta say it like Declan, blessed. Though at first glance of these eight Beatitudes, we might, you know, again, question Jesus and scratch our heads. For example, happy are the persecuted? Are you kidding, Jesus? You're saying, I'm happy when I am persecuted? So either Jesus knows something the world doesn't know, or Jesus is crazy. So I want to recommend to you just a great resource about the Beatitudes called The Good Life, written by Dr. Derwin Gray. And I want you to take a moment and listen as he explains about his book, but more specifically about what the Beatitudes are about. I've been asked, uh, so, so why did you write this book, The Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness? And as I thought about it, um, it wasn't like I wrote the book. It was kind of like the book actually wrote me. Um, because like everybody, I've been searching for happiness that goes beyond fleeting moments. I've been searching for happiness that goes beyond good things happening. Because we know in life, it's not always like good things happening. And so Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, it's like he invites us into this new realm of existence to show us a new way to be human, to show us what the good life is. And every one of the Beatitudes are blessed. The word blessed in the Greek means happy. That Jesus is literally saying, I want you to be happy. And the beauty of Jesus's kind of happiness is that actually we become holy. To be holy means that we learn to love and to serve and to sacrifice, that we find that happiness isn't always good things happening to us, that happiness is about God making us good. That's why I wrote The Good Life, and I want you to experience it. I want to experience it. I want the world to experience it. Wouldn't the world be so much better if we rested in Jesus's good life and that happiness made us So if you want to go to the next level with our study, I encourage you to get this book or do like I did, get the audio version so that you can listen to the book. So this word blessed is the Greek word makarios, which means fortunate or happy or blessed. Now, when it was first used by the Greeks, which is the language of the New Testament, it meant free from daily cares and worries. But then in poetic language of the Greeks, it became a word to describe, you know, the gods and those who share their happy existence. But by the time Jesus comes along and uses this word, it was just a common word for happy. And so the poets, they avoided it completely. But Jesus comes along and introducing the world to his kingdom reveals that those who are truly in the kingdom are poor in spirit. They mourn over sin. They are persecuted for their faith. They are meek. They are the ones who are declared truly blessed by God. And they discover true happiness because God's way isn't fleeting, but God's happiness is permanent. 
Godly, true happiness isn't based upon our circumstances, but rather is a lasting inward joy that can only come from God Almighty. That's the happiness I want to experience. And that's the happiness our families desperately need. But it can only come through obedience to the teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I need to give a warning to all of our detail list makers out there. In this series, we're not going to cover all of the Beatitudes. So you can email me your complaints about this, and I will give them the due attention that they deserve. But that's also why I want you to pick up that book by Derwin Gray or maybe another book and cover all of the Beatitudes because they're great for all of our life. But it's also why I want to encourage you to memorize Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, so that you can every day kind of meditate upon these and think about them in our lives. So to the fathers and the mothers and the children and the grandparents, aunts and uncles, parents, in-laws and the outlaws, let's, let's do some learning. And please don't say, well, I really wish my wife was listening to them. Simply pray, God, what do I need to learn to help me bring blessing and happiness to myself into the family you gave me. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So what is this word meek? I mean, let's be honest. Most people of our world, they don't think of meekness as a valuable quality. I mean, think for a moment about your work situation. What is your boss trying to get you to become? Is meekness one of those characteristics? If you're in sales and marketing, is meekness high on the list of preferred characteristics in those sales seminars that you, you attend? Is that how you close deals and become more successful through meekness? Do you climb the corporate ladder on the rungs of meekness? Or let's say you're a student. Does meekness help you to become more popular with your peers? Or if you're an athlete, does meekness help you win points with the coach? Probably not. See, the conventional wisdom of our world has taught us that if you want to be somebody important, um, if you want to go someplace significant, then you need to be aggressive. You need to be a winner. You need to be confident. And you need to make sure that you don't let anybody else push you around. So when we hear Jesus tell us, that we are blessed or we are happy when we are meek, it's almost like a shock to our system, and we're honestly skeptical. So let's consider what meekness is not. Meekness is not a synonym for weakness. To be meek doesn't mean to be spineless and cowardly. To be meek doesn't mean to be effeminate or timid. The biblical word meek comes from the Greek word praos, and it's a word that means to be mild or to be humble, um, to be gentle. In classical Greek, the word praos was sometimes used to describe a soothing ointment. It was sometimes used to describe a, a gentle breeze. But in the language of the New Testament, this word praos was used to describe uh, the process of taming a wild animal. For example, taming um, a strong but wild horse. And when a wild horse is trained and broken, its power is harnessed and brought under control. 
So we use this definition. Meekness is great strength and power brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. And from the perspective of Scripture, that power and ability under the control of the Holy Spirit is used in constructive and redemptive ways. And as we come to this third beatitude, meekness, Jesus is, Jesus in talking about an inner quality of humility, he's stipulating that it is reflected outwardly in our attitudes and dealings with people. Instead of being harsh and critical and demanding, we choose to be gentle and considerate. Instead of retaliating when we're provoked or criticized, we choose not to be defensive. Meekness is an attitude of submission and humility before Almighty God, and it manifests itself in a spirit of gentleness and consideration towards others. So, who are the meek? The meek are those who turn to the Lord. Um, they're yielded to Him. They depend upon Him. They trust in Him. They commit their lives to Him. And they rest in Him. Incidentally, um, the Hebrew word, which is the language of the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for meek means to be molded like soft clay in God's hands. You submit your life to Him and allow Him to shape and use you in a manner that pleases Him. So Jesus pulls this word meek and tells all of us who follow Him, if you want to be truly happy and blessed, take your power and take your strength and allow the Holy Spirit to mold you and to bring it under control and then to help you express yourself with gentleness and consideration and humility. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. One of the things that we learn is that with each beatitude, right, there's a corresponding promise or blessing there. So what's the reward for the meekness according to Jesus' teaching? Well, it says they will inherit the earth. What, what does that mean? Is Jesus promising that if we humble ourselves and grow in this value of meekness that he'll enlarge our real estate holdings? Will we be able to upgrade our standard of living? Does that mean we'll move from an apartment into some mansion? What, what did Jesus mean? The meek will inherit the earth. A British theologian J.I. Packer said, that all of the corresponding blessings to those Beatitudes were to be understood as spiritual promises that are kingdom realities. So the Apostle Paul said in Romans 4.13 that we are heirs of this world. Romans 8.17, Paul said that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Paul said to Timothy that we will reign with Christ one day soon. Now, the Jews were promised a physical place on this earth. We know it as the promised land. But we've moved from that physical promise to the spiritual promise. We will inherit God's kingdom, His rule in the hearts and minds of His people. We inherit a place in His kingdom, which will never end, promised to those who love Him. 
So it means when God's people walk in meekness, when we embrace the attitude of humility and gentleness, when we uh, surrender our desire to defend our reputation, when we crucify our pride and stop losing sleep over what other people think about us, when we give up the pursuit of our own interest and we become a servant of God and of others, we find great peace and freedom and rest in His kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So let's take this teaching of Jesus on meekness, and now let's apply it to the family. And please understand that meekness and humility are critical, crucial elements in families that want to honor God, that want to be healthy. And part of the reason is that in families, we are so prone to ego and pride and rivalry and competition. Mormon twins? Mm. They're both in Salt Lake City, six months off the job. Got the sense they're having trouble filling the hours. Waiting, sweetheart, just waiting. Good, go. Waiting for you. What do you want? Go, little girl. You're like a little girl. Just do this good? all day. Oh, no. Don't miss. I'm gonna get out of the car and I'm gonna drop you like third period French, okay? Stop Relax. talking, go. So what's Jesus' answer to the pride and competition families wrestle with? It's meekness. Now at the heart of this command is our need for Jesus and His Spirit to be the one working in our hearts and in our lives. So to those of you who have listening, who have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm so thankful that you're with us. But you're going to find your struggles with meekness magnified. Strength under control, it can't happen in our own power. We need the Holy Spirit bringing His control into our lives. And so for some, your first step in bringing spiritual health to your family, it's to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's what you need, I want you to text me or email me and that, let's talk about that. But even when we have the Spirit, it's a difficult journey. I mean, we have to daily surrender and ask for the Lord's help. We don't become meek overnight. Rather, it's, it's a gradual process of the work of the Spirit. But when we daily seek God's help and we daily surrender, God works and God transforms us and God brings this meekness to bear. So I want to talk to... Two different groups this morning. I want to take a moment and talk to the dads and the fathers, and then I want to take a moment and talk to the parents. But even as I do this, let me ask you to consider, whoever you happen to be, where do I need this meekness in my family? Where do I need the help and the control of the Holy Spirit for my family? So group number one, let me talk 
to the husbands, let me talk to the fathers. You see, a godly man is one who has strength, physical strength, mental strength, emotional strength. But in dealing with his wife and his children, a godly man never uses that strength to his advantage. And so men, to be blessed and to have a blessed family, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to take the power that we have and help us to use it for the good of our family. Which means that there are times that we have to say no. For example, when our teenage daughter wants to go out and is wearing something inappropriate, we gently and calmly say, not over my dead body. And what we do is we help her to understand her worth and her value are found not in what she wears, but in who she is and that our love for her is so strong. We use our strengths, but with gentleness. But meekness also means that we set aside our pride and ego as guys, and we put the needs of those in our family first. We choose time with our kids over time on the golf course. We choose to put down our phone so that they know that we're really listening to them. We choose to say no to our boss so that we can say yes to our kids and spend time with them. So I want to ask the husbands out there, I want to ask the fathers out there a couple of different questions. How can you replace being harsh, critical, and demanding? And in that place, how can you choose to be gentle and considerate? The second question is this, instead of retaliating when we're provoked or criticized, how can we choose not to be defensive? It is asking the Holy Spirit to help us learn more about ourselves, right? And how we can allow him to provide that control in our life. I have to tell you, I honestly struggle with this. To my sadness, I have allowed my anger to control some of my choices, especially in the past with my family. That's not what a godly father should do. And if you're a father and you find yourself struggling with your anger or using your power to advantage, um, if your ego and pride are getting in the way, you need to get some help. And that's what the church family is about. Reach out to some older fathers in our church who've been through this and ask for their help. I mean, if it's bad enough, you need to see a Christian counselor who can guide you. Let me know and I'll be happy to provide some names. But ask the Lord to give you the humility and meekness you need to be able to love your family. So men, where do you need to earnestly ask for the help of the Spirit to mold and shape you? Now I want to talk to group number two, to all of the parents. Um, it is very tough to be a parent. Whether your children are young or they're teenagers or even when they're grown adults. I like what Martin Wall said. He said, having children is like having a bowling alley installed in your brain. And sometimes, you know, you just, you want to have peace and quiet. Sometimes it's all you can do to think, let alone to express meekness to your family. In the many phases of parenting, each one, they are filled with the greatest of joy and the most intensive frustration. But our goal is still the same to influence our children towards a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus and to help them become healthy, responsible adults. But most of us, 
we feel as if we fail miserably. So one thing I would say to you, please give yourself some grace. Please give yourself some leeway. After a session with his parents, a little boy taped his, to his parents' door a note that read, Dear parents, be nice to your children and they will be nice to you. Love God. The quality of meekness is so vital to how we respond to our children. And on one side of the meekness equation is this word surrender. We surrender to the work, um, to the power of God in our lives. So what are you doing as a parent to allow God um, to mold and shape you? If you recall earlier, the Hebrew word for meek um, has as a part of its meaning to be molded like soft clay in God's hands. So what can you specifically point to in which you're in a place where you're allowing God to shape you, like even right now? Another facet of meekness is also the willingness to admit fault and express our sorrow to our children. Not in some kind of a guilt trip, right? but for them to know that you need God's forgiveness in work just like they do. Being a willingness to admit honestly, truly, to say, I'm sorry is so important. We express sorrow when we mess up and make mistakes, which we often will, but we don't apologize for placing boundaries in the lives of our kids. That, that's a part of our job, right? So parents... How are you with meekness in regard to your children? I mean, there are times when it is difficult. It is so challenging to keep our strength under control. Because what? Our kids really know the buttons to push in our lives. So where do you need to turn the meekness dial up? Maybe you should sit down and discuss together if you've as parents, or maybe you need to sit down with a trusted friend to talk about your goals as a parent and how meekness is a crucial element. Spend some time thinking about that. But meekness is such a crucial quality that God wants to develop in us. So we pray this prayer. Jesus, help me as a parent, as a child, as a spouse, as a sibling to trust in you and to allow you to help me demonstrate the meekness of Jesus Christ in my Family, a humble heart is so essential to overcoming the struggles of relationship. I really want to help and encourage each one of our families in our church through this series. I mean, this is the year of us focusing on Jesus. Our eyes are up, our anchors are down. One of the most important areas of this is our family. And it begins with a commitment to following Jesus totally, to serving God with all of our hearts, to be like one of the leaders in the Old Testament, Joshua, when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we're going to take time to sing this song together, and it's maybe a new one for you, and that's okay. But we're going to use this through this whole series to really help us Consider and focus in on what God wants to do in our life through the teaching of Jesus Christ. But it begins with this commitment. It begins with all of us saying, as for me and my house, we, we will serve the Lord. 
as we sing this song together, let God speak into your hearts. Lord, we love you. I pray your blessing over the families of Wildwood Christian Church. Lord, may we honor you. And Father, may we submit and surrender to the control of your spirit. Lord, help us to be meek, to have the humility of our lives. We can only do that through your help, Jesus Christ. And so we invite you and ask you, Lord, change us today. In your name we pray, amen.